Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. On today's episode, I navigate over couplings, the mechanism behind why we overreact, and it's a huge piece to the puzzle of healing trauma. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I am your host, Luis Mujica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music, and then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply, listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized that the body speaks through sensations, and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind. I soon healed myself of many chronic conditions and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic Life Navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now. I'm going to begin this episode by reading one of my past posts. The title is, You're Not Overreacting, You're Actually Overcoupled. What we call overreacting is actually being overcoupled. It's the root of the overreaction. Someone does or says something minor, and my body responds with a big expression, a huge amount of sadness, 
big rage, isolation, etc. In these moments, a current event is reminding my body of a past event. Your words, your tone, your look reminds my body of being bullied in the sixth grade because of how it feels, not because of what's happening. My adult body is feeling the repressed rage of my 12-year-old experiences and acting that out in a situation that is not the root of the rage. It's just a reminder. Learning to identify this helps us release the shame and guilt of overreacting through understanding and uncoupling. Feeling where in my body I feel your words or your behavior. And compare that to where in my body I feel the reverberations of being bullied. Now I have separated these from one another so that I can respond to you from this moment and then sit with the parts of me that are still frozen in past traumatic expressions from bullying and other experiences. It's a practice of not bypassing, but being with all of our parts in a way that holds space for each part so that we can respond to current situations without the intensity and overwhelm of past unresolved trauma that still lingers in our tissues. What I find so important about the practice of uncoupling is how essential it is to trauma healing. If we think of PTSD, if we think of um, flashbacks, if we think of getting triggered, a lot of the physical pain and symptoms that we go through, that we live in, when we have PTSD and complex trauma, uh, let's say expressions, not disorders, the, the source of those are from being overcoupled. And I, I want to explain this a bit because there's some nuance. Think of a positive overcoupling. Think of when you smell something amazing and your body goes, ah, oh, that feels comfortable. Then you might kind of realize, oh, that was the smell that so-and-so wore when I was growing up. You didn't have to know that to feel wonderful, right? Your body remembered. You smelled it. And through the sensation of smell, the body had a somatic experience related to peace or love or comfort or happiness or joy. That's a somatic experience, something in the subconscious happening without your knowing inside of your body. Now, if we pivot this over to traumatic overcouplings, we can understand overcouplings through the lens of trauma as associations with threat. So let's use the same example, a smell. I walk into a store, I smell something. It smells like a person, place, or experience where something threatening had occurred in my past. My body has now overcoupled this scent with threat based on real threat that occurred to me in the past. It's now an association in my body. So my body says this equals danger, not my mind, my body. So as I'm walking into the store and smelling this, my body is reflexively going into trauma response. I might start tightening up. I might go into a freeze. I might have a full-blown panic or anxiety attack and quote, out of nowhere. I have no idea why, because I don't have an idea. It's not conscious. My body is being reminded through the overcoupling of the smell associated with danger. Why this is so important is when we learn how to identify overcouplings, and then we actually learn how to uncouple them, we update the body. We get to actually learn, how do I feel in this moment in this body? in response to this event in front of me, 
not in response to this event with a huge clutter of charge from past events. I'm going to give a personal example that might make a lot more sense of this. I wanted nothing more from the age of, let's say, 16, 17, than to be a performer. I wanted to be a musician. And I, any of you that have listened to my episodes about my, my music um, know that I discovered I could play instruments, piano, guitar, and sing, self-taught, and it helped heal my trauma. It created a safety in my body. So I would lock myself in my room for hours every day after school and just spend all my time writing poetry and songs and composing music. Now, I was a closet musician. People thought I was just kind of playing guitar as a hobby. They didn't know I was writing songs because it felt um, too vulnerable and terrifying for anyone to hear me or see me sing. So I stayed in the closet as a musician for almost 10 years. And then when I moved to Woodstock, New York, I was embraced by this amazing community in the mountains of people that just were so loving and kind that I felt even safer communally and collectively than I ever had before, especially after living in the city. And so I, I put on my first performance ever, and 100 people showed up, and it was amazing. And leading up to the performance, I would say a good three weeks, every night I was flooded with anxiety. I was flooded with terror. And from that point on, until just about three years ago, I was flooded with terror every time I performed. Sometimes I would get migraine headaches. Other times I would have stomach issues. My body temperature would actually rise. I would feel like I had a fever and I'd have to lay down. My throat would get, would get tense and I would start feeling like I was getting sick every single time. And I couldn't understand. I loved playing music. I loved that I was finally getting booked for shows and performing and I had an audience to sing to. Yet, my body did not feel safe. And as I was in a session with my own somatic therapist, learning and experiencing what uncoupling was in my body, I started noticing something really powerful. That when I went on stage, this strange sensation came over me. Specifically, being in front of people on a platform with a lot of light shining on me, it started bringing up these horrible feelings in my body of, I'm going to get killed. And it felt that intense. I literally felt like my life was in danger. And my shoulders would move forward. And I would feel a little dizzy that I was going to pass out. And as I was sitting in the session, accessing the sensations of what came up when I go onto the stage, or I think of going onto the stage even, my body showed me the origins of this sensation. My body showed me my a uh, younger self walking to the edge of the swimming pool. So a platform, a diving board, lots of people, lots of bright light shining on me. And remember, I have an intersex expression. So I had breasts and hips, which got me bullied and harassed and assaulted and many, many things growing up. So I associated when I was had to go into the swimming in gym class, something horrible is going to happen to me because people, more people are going to see that my body's different. I'm going to get raped. I'm going to get hurt again. I'm going to get um, violated or, or uh, harassed, right? 
there was a real experience for me growing up that when boys saw that my body was different, that I had breasts, I was ousted from them and um, again, harassed and, and abused. And so in that moment, I noticed when I go on a stage, the lights, the people, the, the physical vulnerability of sharing my, my emotions and my words and my singing feels exactly like what it felt like to be exposed without a t-shirt growing up, which was my biggest fear growing up, someone seeing me without my shirt on. And it was to the point where I spent years and years and years never taking my shirt off, even in my own room with myself. I had layers upon layers. I wore vests. I bought binders. I used bandages. I did everything I could to hide that I had breasts. And it worked. People forgot I had them. And so for many years, I just lived, uh, it's what I call my drag king, really. I lived as a normal looking man because I had all this style and uh, bondage over my chest. So when I made this connection intellectually, I was so blown away. I was aware now, oh, of course this body doesn't want to go on stage. This body has overcoupled being seen in front of a group of people with danger because it's actually experienced that many times growing up. So the next step for me was to notice, okay, I understand your body. I, I know exactly why you're afraid of this. It makes sense. And can we feel what this feels like without that? Can we feel the parts of us that like being on stage? Can we feel the sensation a few minutes after I sing my first song and people clap and you realize, oh, these are allies and people here supporting me, not here to hurt me. And as I sensed into that sensation, into that somatic experience, I felt my heart open. I felt my face feel beautiful. I felt an ease in my stomach. I felt my legs. I felt the vibration of the song as it comes through my body and my throat and my mouth. I was able to embody the experience of non-threat. And as I was able to embody that experience of non-threat, I was able to uncouple the experience of non-threat from the memories of threat. And it was profound. And since then, I go on the stage and I'm so excited to be there. And even if some of my body starts to remember again or expect something bad happens, I'm in such relationship with that part and I'm in such relationship with so many other parts of me that want to be there that it very quickly dissolves and spreads. It doesn't build and become something I believe. So why does this work? Why does uncoupling help us? Like, what does it mean? Well, when we are experiencing a sensational memory, a somatic memory that's different than image, it can lead to image. Image can lead to it. But if we take away the conscious mind for a moment, it's a very mindless experience. The body is remembering via sensation. So I don't know why there's a lump in my throat, but I feel it there. So something is being remembered. Something currently is reminding me of something in the past that would give me a lump in my throat. This is important because without embodiment and without the practice of somatics, we unconsciously believe whatever we're feeling. That's because the feeling is valid. The physical pain in my stomach when I would go on the stage was real. I was not imagining that. 
what my body was imagining was that someone was going to hurt me, and that's why my stomach was clenching up and preparing to be hurt, right? So when I say about we unconsciously believe because of the sensation, what I mean is the sensation is so real. It is our biology. It becomes physical inside of us without understanding where that sensation is coming from and being in a connection or relationship with it. We just believe there must be threat here, but we don't even believe it consciously. We have what we call an anxiety attack, panic, stress, worry, fear. And we just think it hits us out of the blue and we're stuck like that. We're broken. There's something wrong with us. No, there's nothing wrong with us. Our bodies are remembering actual terror that never fully released or was healed or diluted, right? So when something reminds the body of past terror, it literally awakens these stored events inside of us via sensation. When we have a practice of over-understanding or identifying over-couplings, we then get to say, oh, this feeling is not in direct connection to my reality right now. My argument with my wife isn't a threat. It's annoying. It's frustrating. It might be overwhelming and exhausting even, but it's not an actual threat. However, it can remind me of actual threat, of being left as a child, of being yelled at by somebody, of being bullied, of being isolated, self-hatred. There's so many things that can come up in these moments. So if I'm able in the moment, let's say I'm arguing with my wife, and I feel in my body this tension that's so much bigger than what we're even talking about, I start to notice, okay, it doesn't mean what's going on here is okay, but it also doesn't mean that what I'm feeling is in response to what's going on here. And what happens is we start to notice what is going on here. Oh, I'm talking fast. Okay. I'm not breathing very deeply. Okay. I'm not even feeling my body. Ooh, pause. I might say to my wife, I need a break. Give me a breath or I'm going to go for a walk. I move away. I settle into my body. And then I notice, what am I feeling now that I'm in my body? Oh, I'm a little frustrated with what we're talking about, but I actually don't care about what we're talking about. It's what it's reminding me of is what I actually care about. So I'm able to uncouple our situation from thousands of past situations. And through doing that, I have capacity to be with this situation because I'm not charged up with a lifetime of pain that's all coming through this really small present moment. So what we call overreacting in a way that feels, um, I think, shameful, like you're overreacting, something's wrong with you, I like to transform that into your body is responding perfectly to a past event that this present event is reminding you of. And that does not equal bypassing, by the way. We don't do this. We don't uncouple in order to deny abuse. We don't uncouple in order to uh, break our own boundaries even. Like, hmm, I don't like the way this person's talking to me. I must be overcoupled. No, we're allowed to not like the way someone talks to us. As we practice this more, it gets much clearer that what we're doing is not denying what's in front of us. We are organizing what is in front of us from what it reminds us of in the past. And when we organize that in our physical bodies, again, we have the space to actually look at what's happening in front of us and respond to it. What tends to happen when we bypass is when we're overcoupled. We get so overwhelmed 
that we might shut down or we might fawn. We might get in a physical altercation. We might get in a flight response and isolate and run away from everything. That's what happens from being overcoupled, not from being uncoupled. So I wanted to give this uh, to us all to sit with because it will start to make a lot of sense and it will start to validate a lot of the situations and experiences you go through. And over time, as you practice this, you'll start to notice, oh, I'm overcoupled or, oh, that feels so much easier to deal with now that this excess stuff that was in me is now organized somewhere else. I know where it is. So I'm going to lead us in a very short uncoupling exercise right now. So if you're in a car or you're moving or you're somewhere where you need to focus, just pause this episode and come back. I'll be right here waiting for you. If you're ready, have a seat and take a breath and just think of something mildly irritating. Think of someone or something or some event, something on the TV, anything that's mildly irritating. And just notice the sensation of that mild irritation. Where do you feel in your body? What does it do? How does it move? What emotion is connected to it? Just kind of notice that. Now, without knowing the situation, this is a one way we can uncouple without actually having context. Uh, we see the irritating thing. We feel the irritation in our body. Now, look for a part in the body that doesn't have that irritation. Look for a place in the body that says, oh, I feel okay here. And one way we can do that is by looking around our room, taking in our environment, and really pausing on certain people, beings, objects, plants, light, colors that feel pleasant. And feeling, this is what I call feeling the now. Feeling, oh, in this moment, this room, this space, this reality I'm in actually feels like this. And notice where that sensation is. If you're having a hard time with that, you can get a pillow and put a pillow over your belly and breathe into it. Notice how does my body feel with the pillow? You're all going to have a different experience as you do this exercise. What we're looking for is how does it feel in this present moment, in this present space, compared to the thing I was thinking about that was irritating? And if we can notice the two differences, like, oh, there's the sensation of irritation and there's the sensation of pleasance. You're already somatically uncoupling a memory of stress from a present state of peace or a present state of non-threat. And when I say present, I don't mean like now as in the world. I mean present, second by second, where you are seated right now. Not in your mind, not with what happened five minutes ago, not with what's going to happen in, in five minutes. But right now, where can you attune to in your environment that says, right now, I'm not being threatened? And what tells you that in your body? This is an important way to check in with your physical system when you're getting triggered and when you're feeling overcoupled or you're thinking you're overreacting. Kind of saying to your body, okay, even though this feels like an overreaction, I know you're remembering something and I'll, I'll be there with you. And I'm going to show you sensationally why we're okay here. And it's just a gentle uh, body stewardship of I'm going to help wake you up from the nightmare you've been in. And that's how I experience uncoupling. And that's how I teach it. And that's how I practice it. 
So see where this goes for you. Take your time. And uh, if you want to get deeper into this kind of practice, my next six-week course, I believe, is in July. You can go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and find all the information you need there. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath and just notice. What's your body doing right now? Sit with it. Let it speak to you. And let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen. For all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. To learn more about my work, you can visit holisticlifenavigation.com and sign up for my mailing list. You'll receive a weekly newsletter with specific monthly topics, free resources, and upcoming events. You can also follow me on Instagram. If you like my podcast, please leave a review and share. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give into mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.